Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. Today's show is brought to you in partnership with International Justice Mission. Thank you to Philip Calvert and his team for the incredible work they're doing. You may be asking yourself why. Why is Collisions YYC partnering with IJM? Well, because I believe we can end slavery in our lifetime, and I want to use my platform to be part of that mission. For many of you, hearing that statement may be a rallying cry. For the rest of you, it may be a moment of, wait, what? Slavery? Is that even a thing I should be worrying about? For me, up to six months ago, it was the second. I did not even understand the problem. After a chance meeting with Philip Calvert, National Director of Development for IGM Canada, my eyes were open to the reality that poor people face the world over, a reality of violence that stops them from ever moving forward in their life. At first, this made me uncomfortable. Then it made me downright mad. And then it gave me hope. It is the support of groups like IGM that will allow us to reach the goal of ending slavery in our lifetime and give hope to people who may have none. This is not a conversation that we want to have. It's a conversation that we must have. Please join me in supporting this incredible organization by visiting and donating to their cause at www.igm.ca. This is a fight we all need to take on, and we need to take it on today. Hello at a warm collisions YYC. Welcome to Mr. Corey Jansen. How are you, Corey? Really good. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for coming back on the show. I was just doing the math as we're sitting here kind of chatting away. I don't know, year. I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but does... I have no concept of time anymore. The last 20 months yeah, is, is just like real boom, time boom. or COVID time. I don't even uh, know. Like I, don't, the, I don't know. I, I, either way, it's excited. To, thanks for coming back on the show. I enjoyed our conversation. I love Calgary. It's a big, small town. I've been keeping an eye on you guys. And that's what I love about Calgary. If you pay attention at all, you can't help but notice what's going on. So you're the co-founder and, C, and co-CEO at Alta ML. So I'm going to do the quick elevator just because in case anybody doesn't know you guys. Corey, good to see you. Alta ML, what are you guys all about? We got 30 floors or whatever, however that's all the building we wanted to make it. But yeah, give us a quick little elevator pitch. Mm. Usually it depends on the technical sophistication, right? But like the simple answer is, well, we build AI software. Okay. And then usually the question, okay, well, how do you do that? So really we're uh, Alta ML is a, an applied AI studio. So uh, we work often with partners, sometimes large enterprises, sometimes entrepreneurs, um, to really kind of bring together data, subject matter expertise, and our, our core, um, uh, you know, team and technology in, in in to build software products powered by data, powered by machine learning. Okay, Whew, so much. To, I love the I love the uh, applied AI. I love the studio concept because you guys partner with you guys. Uh, to, to be clear, from my understanding, you have your own work that you do, but you also have a ton of joint ventures. Like I'm assuming there's a real mix here of where you're partnering with your clients. They're bringing you in almost from a consulting standpoint. And do you guys also have your own kind of offerings that you're working on as well? Is there, is it like a three bucket strategy? I don't know. That's the picture I have in my mind for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, so here's a, like if you're an AI, the, the difference with, with building um, AI software uh, is that you need data. Like you can't just sit there and start banging out a bunch of computer code and build that software and have it done. Now, most of that data resides in large organizations. So if you're a startup, you can raise all the money you want, you can have all the people you want, but you've got no raw material, you got nothing to work with unless you actually get access to some unique data set. And, and not only that, even if you have this massive data lake that someone gives you access to, really all AI, I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll say AI technically we would do is more machine learning, but okay. you know, the average person just gets it right. But so, so all we're really doing was we're optimizing 
a business process or we're reinventing that business process with this new emerging technology. So unless you understand that business, unless you understand that business process, it's really tough to do it, right? Like, you know, okay. you, you don't just buy AI. In fact, I kind of joke around sometimes with a lot of the executives that we deal with and said, stop buying AI. Start using data to inform and execute on your strategy. And that's a key difference, right? Because I think we've gone from this in the market, like it's this AI is this cool, hot buzzword and everyone and, 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 you know, the board of directors says, hey, we need an AI strategy. And they go, OK, let's do an AI project. And, you know, I, I guess two or three years ago, there's almost like the standard was these sort of pet projects, right, where you just go, OK, like, let's let's just do this for the sake of doing AI. And now the companies that are really leaning in, um, many of them in town are the ones that say like, okay, we understand that this fundamentally changes our business, right? So how do we, how do we take a, a strategic lens and make sure that we're, we're focusing on the biggest, hardest problems that we have in, 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 the, in the organization? So let, let me pause there. I know that there's a, a whole bunch into it, but it, it, it is complex, right? Um, just because, be, because you need access to the data one way or another. Does that by default, yeah, so many questions, um, by default, does that exclude a lot of smaller organizations because they either don't have the sheer volume of data or even the data sophistication to be able to kind of tackle this? That kind of stop, I love stop buying AI. It's not an off the shelf thing that then you throw over top of some other thing and it just works. This is a much more complex problem. But if you don't have the data, you don't have the grist for the mill, basically. A hundred percent. Like I, and I hate to, you know, I wish it weren't the case. Um, we've even kind of said the, in the mid, the mid market is even tough, right? Like it's, it, it's the big, it's the big, big organizations that have enough data to really train. Now that doesn't mean that small organizations can't probably make use of, of, of AI, especially as platforms are built. Um, but, um, unfortunately that is the case. Mm. And that's the problem is that, I mean, and you use the word consulting, like we don't do like we don't do it, uh, you know, straight consulting work, right? Like we won't do time and material. It's, it's one of the big misconceptions. Like we do have a services piece of the business where and we'll get into it, like where we build sort of corporate labs that are really tied to the ecosystem. Okay. Um, what we're terming talent accelerators right now. We can get into that in a little bit because it's the most exciting thing we have going on in town over the last year. But it, 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 it really, it, the problem is, is that, the industry has an issue around somebody come in and said, hey, I'll sell you some AI. And then an easy answer, if you're of a consulting mindset and you're selling stuff on, on an hourly basis on time and materials, you just be like, hey, yeah, I think you need more data. So just give me another change order and then give me another change order. You could take any projects and go 10x for it. And, and it's like and, and it's and it's BS because you're never actually accomplishing anything. So when we come in, we try to say, OK, here's this project. How can we align interest? Right. And and often. Um, we're investing alongside a partner as we as we identify a, a problem to solve, a use case that might turn into a product. Okay. Um, and, and so, so yes, you've got that piece where we go in and 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 we'll work on a services basis, but it's always with a mindset to a longer term sort of like how we integrate and build out this sandbox so that you can actually innovate within your organization with an eye to product commercialization. Okay, with a, with a clear end in mind versus the never ending ongoing black box of just, oh yeah, ch to your point, change orders and technology projects. <laughs> so what I'm hearing you say though, and again, I'm putting my own interpretation on this is that from the perspective of 
you know, how technology is creating gaps or creating disparaging levels of access. This feels like a, no question, an unfair advantage. And I say that I like the concept of unfair advantages, but if I'm larger an enterprise, this is, is this even entrenching the gap between what a small to medium sized company can accomplish against a larger enterprise competitor who has this, this sounds like a real force multiplier in the unfair advantage category for larger companies. Is there also, is that also just where we are in the cycle? Cause I know AI has been around for many, many, many years, but this current iteration of it, I guess, kind of where are we on that maturity curve? And eventually will those smaller mm. to medium sized businesses be able to play? Like will the playing field level or will those big enterprise level companies get so far ahead with their ability to deliver services and products and end results because of this? Like, what's that timeline? So that's a big complex beast I just threw at you. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, let me backtrack a little bit. And it's not the size of the company per se. Okay. Um, it's the size of the data set and the ability to, to, to have a, a large enough problem to, to justify that investment. So okay. don't get sense. me wrong. We have worked with some, some smaller organizations and, and we start companies from scratch with other partners, you know, with a strategy to get an eye towards data, right? So we've got a very interesting uh, new venture um, in the legal research space where it, you know, we've, we've just partnered up and, and kind of merged in with a, a, a one man show. Okay. And, but, but there's, there's access to a massive, massive data set of case law research that is sort of tagged and labeled in the right way. So, so, you know, that's a small business, you know, you're going up against Thomson Reuters and LexisNexis, these massive, massive companies there. So there's still opportunity for small firms. It's just, how do you get enough data to actually make that work? Um, but what you alluded to in your question, unfortunately, I, I think there's a real risk of that. And it's something that needs to be taken into account from a policymaking perspective um, uh, in government. Um, look at Amazon. I mean, part of the reason why Amazon has destroyed, like has just, you know, taken such a huge piece of, of the retail market is because in the back end, they're using AI. Like, all those warehouses, right? You know, the robotics they have in it, the, um, which by the way, Adabotics, very cool company local here. The, the, it's the anti-Amazon, it's the, it's the answer to it. Yes, I um, had Scott on and he right? didn't come right out and go anti-Amazon, but it was definitely the under, uh, undertone of a lot of his comments. Uh, uh, yeah, and maybe I shouldn't say it that. I don't wanna speak for, I mean, I, I, clearly, I clearly do not speak for them. I think of them though as like, it, there's, a there's such a huge opportunity there because, you know, it, every retailer is competing against Amazon in some way, right? So how, how are you gonna match them on the technology side mm -hmm. it, unless you've got, uh, you know, the, 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 the so the, that, that involves partnerships, right? And that involves other retailers tying in and, and, and Adabotics I think will be one of the hottest companies in Calgary to watch over the next, you know, decade. Um, so, but that's a good example, I think, in terms of where you know, the amount of data that a company like Amazon has, it, you know, every single time you buy something and said, hey, people bought this, also bought that or mm -hmm. whatever, right? And and you never click on it, right? Well, you know, the, you know, you, you ask that question around and no one ever falls for that. No one ever does it. But, you know, <laughs> but yet. <laughs> but, but somehow it keeps on coming up and somehow it's really, really accurate. And well, just that one time, maybe I did, right? That's so funny. So, we never want to admit that we, like, we, nobody likes to admit that they were a victim or, or of marketing or strategy. You know what I mean? That's so funny. I love that you say that. Well, I never that, click so on pay-per-click, but yet it's Google's biggest, one of their biggest revenue drivers. But no, I never click on it. I'm like, well, somebody clicks on it to be super clear. <laughs> totally. And, and that, so that's a recommendation system. So 
you know, I could build you a recommender system. Well, I can't. Our team could build you a recommender system, bang it off in a week. But do you have billions of transactions, right? To make you know, it, to and, make and it hundreds work, to of make it of optimize. customers to, to optimize and do it. Because like that's, you know, all AI is, is you take a bunch of data, you take a bunch of code, you smack it together and like, you, you know, you make predictions. Now, again, there's some researchers and profs that might quibble with that definition. But for the general audience, that's what it is, right? Like you're just smashing together computer code and data, right? And trying to predict what might happen other ways. So all that recommender system is doing it on Amazon. It's predicting, huh, you know, Tyler bought this. He might also be interested in, in you know, in that. To the point where, what if, what if shipping costs got down so low that Amazon just sent you stuff before you even clicked it? I've heard this and example said, played out. I like this example. It's so interesting. <laughs> well, and, and it's, com it's coming, know, it, right? It, it's coming. <laughs> well, Amazon filed a patent for that like five years ago. Oh, wow. Right. So, so you start thinking about how that changes things, right? In terms of if, if, uh, if you can predict with accuracy, what difference that, and, and so then you start applying that. That's what gets you so excited about. If we can build these tools here in Alberta, if we can build this, that, that's what will, will be the jobs in 2030. That's what will create opportunity for our kids here. And, and so uh, these are always, these are always tools that will either get rid of that grunt work or, or help people make better decisions. And yeah, are, are there times when there's going to be job loss and there's going to be companies going a hundred percent, but like I say this all the time when I talk to healthcare professionals, like AI will, will not replace doctors. It won't. Doctors who use AI will replace those who don't. So, 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 this is, a, this is a long answer to your, what you alluded to in the question. Are a lot of small businesses in trouble? Yeah, but big companies can't move that quickly. So if small companies can get access to data sets, there's no reason why you can't disrupt and why this can't be an edge that is the thing that actually allows you to take on the behemoths, right? So it's all in mindset, right? It's not about big versus small. It's not that we, our fate is preordained in this, right? It's whoever... Our bet, at least what Nicole and I are betting on the next decade of our life on, is that like the, those who actually embrace this technology are going to create the tools that power everything going forward. Well, you to give context, you, you know, I love the the simplicity, uh, over simplicity, perhaps for some audience members of like we're going to take this 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 code, we're going to take this data, we're going to smash it together. But then you gave the example of well, there's this huge data set in the legal world, and you took the one man show that you've now partnered with. It's also, I would imagine, really understanding what you do with like what's the intent of that smash, <laughs> and if we can get access to data and we've got a really clear understanding of the question we're trying to answer or the problem we're trying to solve. That's like, it's not just the smash, right? If, I, I, if I'm, I'm kind of leaning into that comment, it's going, you know what? I think I can solve this problem in a new way. So it still is ultimately about what the intent of that smash up is, <laughs> to use your words. Well, okay. So, so that's right. So, so it's, it's the data and then it's also that subject matter, that, that domain or subject matter expertise, right? So I'll give you a great, uh, you know, since we talked talk last, we've, uh, we've announced a joint venture with a, a great uh, uh, Calgary-based company, Spartan Controls. Okay. So mm -hmm. we're basically putting to uh, the name of this company is Blue Marvel is focused on the industrial AI space. So if you go in to any of the plants up in Fort Mac, any think any industrial plant and not just, you know, oil and gas for sure, but also, you know, any other industries from food processing to forestry and so forth. Right. Like the stuff that we live on, the stuff that's required. Right. 
um, all the operational technology that OT is what they call an that you know there's engineers that run that stuff as you might imagine right and who spend their whole career on it now if you are an ml engineer a data scientist coming in from the outside you know you don't understand how that plant is run and and if you mess up you know enough set point temperatures and enough things and like the consequence the consequences are the consequences are real (laughs) it's it's real life here right you can blow stuff up right you can put people's lives at risk and so um knowing what problem you're going to solve this is a, this is basically the thesis between us and Spartan is if we can put they've got 60 years of domain expertise basically own the market or in you know uh, they don't quote me as I'm saying this publicly but call it 60% plus or they're in lots and lots of of the of of industrial facilities in western canada right and, and, and so you can't replicate the expertise they have they know the problems they need to solve so you throw those data scientists at it and come in together right then it's purposeful, right? Because we're not just going in saying, hey, there's you know, petabytes of data here. Let's go search around and see what we can solve. No, start with that business problem first, right? Take that and understand what data do we think we need to be able to make that prediction and then start building solutions that actually help people do their jobs better, right? Help, and, and the most exciting use cases here are all about GHG reduction. It's GHG reduction, it's safety. Um, there's certainly reliability and other operational factors in here, but um, we're not going to meet uh, long-term climate goals uh, without actually opt- using software to optimize industrial processes. You can't, especially in China, but like you need to start here as well. So that would be one example of something where we're taking that do- subject matter expertise and we're bringing it together because the, the early stages of AI were like, well, let's just do this because it's cool and a good project. And you do a proof of concept and everybody goes, hey, bo- boss, look, I did this AI project. It doesn't matter unless it's in production. You know, you haven't actually changed anything unless you actually have people using it. And that might sound obvious, but like, you know, with all technologies, there's kind of this smoke and mirrors at the onset. And, and we're really happy that the industry is moving towards a, more, a bit more sophistication where it's actually doing real stuff. So if we were going to map that out from the early stage, like you said, the smoke and mirrors and the shiny thing stage to like, this is actually starting to create some change. If we were going to draw our, 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 our little, our standard curve, our bell curve out on the board, where are we on that cycle? Are we heading up on the left side or are we getting like, I can't imagine we're close to the top yet. <laughs> well, so there's, um, there's actually a different model than a bell curve. You the Gartner hype cycle yep. where there is almost that. And then you come down and you go out, right? So and then reality, like reality is farther over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they call it like the trough of disillusionment. I love, I, I love that out. name. It sounds like it's right out of a sci-fi movie. <laughs> so I feel like we're almost cresting peak hype and kind of on the way down. Uh, okay. So, okay. right. And, and then there's going to be a bunch of negativity. And then all of a sudden over the next couple of years, it's going to go and it's like, whoa. And it's going to seem like it happened overnight, but it's not right. Because it's like, like putting this stuff into production is complex. And I think we're better than anybody probably in, in Western Canada, for sure. I'd probably argue Canada in terms of the number of, of ML models we've seen, you know, the variety of different industries, the number of partners we've worked with, right? Like it's hard because you've got, you've got the data problem, you've got the subject matter expertise, and we haven't even talked about adoption. Like people are scared about this. Unless, until you come in and say, hey, by the way, we're not just gonna, t-, you know, first of all, it's not Hollywood robots coming to kill Earth, blah, blah, blah. You know, you, you do have to have that conversation, but then it's also, well, okay, we're going to get rid of the, the crap you hate in your job. 
they don't, you know, usually our, the organizations we work with don't believe us until we actually do that. And they go, oh, okay, that's good. Well, can I also now solve this, 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 and this? But, but there's a trust and there's a fear and an education piece that comes in, which ironically, it's way more of a people business than I ever would have realized. <laughs> the biggest variable, the biggest variable there is. <laughs> It's always right. Cause, cause like we've had amazing projects. Like we've, like we've blown through tons of money, man, like, and building out really, really good AI models and then not talking enough and not involving the end users, not involving mm, like change management. You know, <laughs> and, and then at the end going, well, I, you know, I either, um, I, I don't want this or I would want it this way. Or, and, and at a certain point, you need to pull a plug on project. Like you can only invest so much, right? But, um, you know, and again, these models, when you look back at like the actual math on it, superb, brilliant, right? But unless you're actually adoption. thinking of adoption at the very, very onset, it won't succeed. And that was a mistake like we were making two years ago, three years ago, right? And so that's what, again, when you talk about that evolution of the business and, you know, at, at first we just had a team of data scientists just crunch this. Now those teams look like, you know, yeah, those ML engineers, but it's, it's, it's also, uh, you know, bringing in the, you know, the people actually the business problem, the, the domain experts, it's mm -hmm. the UX people, it's product managers, you know, it's understanding the legal and the ethical side, right? And so you've almost got this much more, this multifaceted team. That's actually what you need. But sometimes it's really hard when you're going and trying to pitch to someone and say, hey, we need all these resources to come in. They go, no, 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 this is an IT project. Yeah, we got this. Put it over there in the bucket. Do you right? guys have a change so management could, practice, like like a designated, or is it just all of those things you include? It's just part of. Again, we don't want to build a consulting company, right? Yeah, that's, so that's one where we're trying to partner with the right organizations that do that well. Like we really don't want to do like the high-end strategy digital transformation work. So we work with, you know, some, some of the big consultants, uh, you know, when needed for that type of stuff. I think there's, there's, so we don't sell change management per se, but I think it's naturally what we do as part of a process. It's almost like kind of baked in. Well, um, it becomes one but, of your success, but if you don't, it doesn't, it's not successful to your point. You can have brilliant math on the table, but if no one adopts it because the human side of it is for all those reasons, we're humans, we're messy. We, we're, we're chocked full of fear, especially if it's even a hint of the unknown. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So it, 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 it it's, it, you know, and the other piece of this is, is on, um, uh, the big term in the industry is responsible AI. Yes. Um, so what, what does that mean before I put my own definition on top? Cause I've heard it. It's been said a couple of times. I think Rick Makos and I got into it a little bit about building responsible tools that actually add value. And he talked about it a little bit. Who I know, you know, I, I, I chatted with him after he joined your team. Mm -hmm. If, uh, yeah. So, you know, you could have a really simple, don't do evil shit, but no, okay, let's get more technical. Uh, how about, uh, but why, if, why, uh, why are you petting a bald cat? And like, anyways, let's all talk. Anyways, well, you, you can't so, see this, but Corey is wearing this very like bond, like outfit. <laughs> don't do evil shit. Um, so yes, doctor. <laughs> so if there's, if there are biases in data, if you take that data and build AI models around them, you will exacerbate and in fact amplify those biases. So can I ask a bold question? You said if I've heard it's not about if I heard it's just about whether you are able to identify it or not. So I don't know if that's, I'm being bold there pushing back on the if. Okay. You, you know, you're, you're going the right direction here, right? So, 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 you know, in general, do we think there might be biases in hiring practices over the last 
you know, a few decades in perhaps, Western society, perhaps, right? Perhaps, You know, like, so what that means is that if you take that, because remember, we talked about smashing that data. Okay, all you're really doing is you're saying, like, you're looking for those patterns or correlations, right? So we're saying, hey, we're trying to replicate what makes the best executive. Okay, well, we'll look at our current executives and then just train what, what did their profile look like when they were doing that job application. So you can imagine if you start doing that with AI, you're going to end up with a lot of white guy, old white guys, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. So, 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 uh, so it's a major issue when you talk about, um, you know, when, when we talk about ESG, sometimes the E overshadows the S and the G, right? And the social and the governance piece of it. Certainly are, in Western are, Canada, I would say when I when I hear it being talked about in other groups and other jurisdictions, the other two letters tend to show up a little bit differently. <laughs> Right. And, and so, and so we actually, you know, full disclosure, we actually have, uh, we're building an assessment tool in here that's actually meant, uh, the name of the, 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 the company is system three. We're actually try, um, trying to help solve that problem of bias in hiring at executive and board level by building a tool to actually look at leadership based on skills instead of just that historical data. And so as we collect more and more data, there's a there's a big AI component in terms of how you could actually help be, solve the problem. Because because right now, if you, you can put all the mandates and all that you want, but if you look at how, how boards hire and how executives hire, it's almost solely on experience, hmm. right? So, uh, so, so when you come, you know, and I know I didn't give you a technical def definition of RAI, but just kind of share the example. But I think that is more impactful because you can see everyone can understand that that dynamic. And so it, it's um, uh, I'll get, share another example of a project again here in here in town. Um, we were building a model and gender was stored in the database as male, female. One of our team members pointed out. Um, you know, the world ain't so non, so, so binary like yeah. that. Right. Yeah. But, but literally the, so we all understand that from a social point of view now, but remember the data structure, the literal data structure in the database was either one or the other. Mm -hmm. So if you build an AI model based on that, it has to be biased. So that's not even saying like that it is the, 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 what the substance of the data is. You know, maybe, you know, there's there's some it's not to say that gender should not be used ever. Like if you're some health use cases, being a female or a male or being like like has has other consequences that should be used in terms of treatment paths or, you know, mm -hmm. but um, but in this case, we would never have thought of it unless this other one team member said, hey, actually, this isn't how the data should be stored. Um, and and I, again, I won't share where this was, but it was it was meaningful to the application because it was it was. Uh, uh, you know, kind of a government related project. Right. Mm -hmm. And so right at the onset, we need to say, hey, this needs to be fixed or we need to be able to ensure we understand and deal with how this is going to be used as part of this ML model. So it gets really complex in terms of identifying where there might be biases in the data and, and ensuring that we're, we're using this for, for good, not for evil. So interesting, the concept of bias, like when at those points of collection, it wasn't a bias, it was just data. But now with a new filter in a different world, or really to your point, I love understanding the outcome. <clears throat> that's when the bias filter comes in. Like arguably the data is just the data. But when you go, oh, wait a second, that was collected here or in this way, how the bias now is getting recognized. That's a really, and that is a lot of nuance for something that you, sh you kind of clearly said is just math. You know what I mean? It's a lot of subjectivity well, on top of that math. <laughs> th think about proxies for postal code, right? 
Hmm. Yeah, you live in you live in a, a neighborhood that is mostly one demographic or another. You know, you know, sometimes the AI can look through, and it's like that can almost be used as a proxy for race. I, I, again, I'm taking a little bit of liberties here, but like, imagine if that situation where it because the AI is not looking, not passing any of those filters under. But if you, you know, you might not say, okay, we're going to put race in the model and you know categorize, you, you yep. know, whatever benefits for this, or it could be anything, right? But like, so clearly, no one would do that. But then you know, are there correlations behind the scenes that tie to it? So it's a super complex area. And, and this is where I, I think it's a cool discussion um, for a general audience, because what matters is education. What matters is that um, that as society, we understand that this is just a tool and any tools can be used for for good or bad. Right. And 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 especially, I think, from from from, a, again, a government policy making level, I think it needs to be and from from business leaders in the community to understand that. You can't just run an AI project and say, ooh, um, can you put on that responsible layer? It's like baking a cake and like putting on this like responsible don't for, icing. Don't forget to check that box, Corey. It's a very important box to check. <laughs> it's like the, 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 you know, once you bake, once you bake the cake, it's done, right? So it needs to yeah, be you involved. Can, you, the can't, whole you can't put the flour through. or the sugar in after the fact. <laughs> it's the it's the it's it's the recipe. It's the whole piece of it, right? And so and and frankly, this is an, actually an example where small companies. Um, actually have an advantage because I think many big tech and many larger firms, it's, it, it's tougher. There's, there's a little bit more evil baked in. Yep. <laughs> there's, there's another podcast episode all to itself. So um, evil aside now for a moment, I'm thinking about your team. I'm thinking about the individuals that are now have a very human filter on a series of mathematical problems or models. They're building a model. So when you're hiring, how many, like, how big is your team right now? Let's just maybe get some, get some context here in terms of where we get into the nuts and bolts of who you're hiring and what skills they need to have. Uh, we're about 125, 130 across Calgary, Edmonton, and Toronto. Nice. And what's been the growth curve of that? Like you and I chatted about a year ago. How, like what, what, how has that trajectory been for you guys? Well, at this, like we doubled over COVID. Okay. Um, so it, 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 it's actually it's actually been really tough to be to be frank like you know because it's one thing let's say you've got you know 100 people and you all knew each other and then <laughs> you know the, the the like we we all now know we can we can work and be productive from wherever totally right um but and and i think if you know if you think to your business right and you go okay i've been working with with this person for you know a decade or for all these years and it's like you you know them right like mm -hmm. you can um but if if you if if there's more people that you haven't met than you have that creates something else yeah <laughs> that creates something else right so how do you so here's what we're grappling with is how do you provide as much flexibility as possible while at the same time making sure your culture doesn't you, 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 well you don't destroy your culture well, the challenge is you, you get a culture. Is it just, is it the one you want, right? Like to say, oh, we, we have this culture, that culture. you're going to get one. It's like saying, oh, we don't really have a brand. I'm like, oh no, you do. It's just might not be by design. <laughs> and that's when things get scary, right? <laughs> it, gr gr well said, well said. I need to change the way I deliver that, right? So, <laughs> Sorry, wasn't it, to, wasn't it to correct? I was just like, well, no, yeah, no, but. <laughs> no, no, it was, you, you, you are right. Like, so, so Nicole and I are super, super concerned about how you, how you navigate that because, I, I, you know, and, and you look up, like it's, it's different if you're Shopify and you say, hey, what does Shopify have? 10,000 or 15,000 people or whatever, right? And it's like, yeah, we're just going to go totally remote and you never have to do whatever we're done. Like there are already this, this juggernaut that's there. I think it's a really interesting question for, for startup culture. It, like 
you know, mm-hmm. do you just, if you're starting a company today, is it all completely just remote from day one? And then maybe, you know, you hook up once a month and, and you actually get it. Like, I, can you build trust online? Of course. Is it harder than in person? I would argue so. So, so how do the you shared experience piece, the shared, the shared adventure from the shared challenges to the shared lunches, there is a piece that it's tough. Like, you know what I mean? Where you do miss and humans, I think we've, 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 we've been together more than we've been apart. So there's still some DNA in there that I think is, yeah, you can do a lot online, but there's things you just can't replace. Are they make or breaks? I, that's a bit of a TBD we're on right now. I think like we're in a bit, we're all in the experiment, right? Uh, <laughs> right. And so that's when you ask about before and after, you know, like yeah, I guess yeah. still in COVID, right? Like, you know, I, I know. I, yeah. I appreciate like, the optimism of I'm, I'm good to get over it anytime soon. Yeah. So, so, so like we, you know, when we started COVID, I think we were 40 or 50 or something like 50 or 60. Like, but so we've, 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 we've more than doubled during COVID. And so, so that, that's been, that's been a tough, tough thing for our leadership team. Um, and, and especially because like we think of, um, of of elements that we had beforehand and and listen, we're, we're one company, but then we we're kind of unique in that we've got, you know, these three offices. So like the Calgary team is it's weird. They got like a donut culture. I don't know where this came from. You know, one of our product, donut culture. It's even, I laugh as I say this, like all the meeting rooms are named after donuts because there's like all these donut connoisseurs that came up. And so it's like you go in and like it's like the boardrooms are like, you know, old fashioned or crueler or whatever. It's, it's weird. Right now it was even weirder than that. The Edmonton office has like a hot sauce culture. So on, cause we, we break it, we break at four o'clock. Like one of the things we always do, we break at four o'clock on Fridays and we have a social, right? Whether you want an adult beverage or whether you just want a beverage and some chips or whatever, right? Like that, that's, that's been one of the things we've done since day one. So Somehow in Edmonton, someone started bringing like, have you ever seen that, that chip, like the hot, like the, 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 like the, what's it called? Not the death chip, but it's like, you have one of them in it. Like My brother-in-law's like, into super spicy stuff. So I, pepper yes, or whatever, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Is, isn't it yeah. an Alabama goat? Isn't that like the yeah, most killer? Like yeah, that, yeah, right? yes. I'm, I, so, I don't love spicy stuff. I had a bad run in with Tabasco sauce when I was a kid, but other than that, yeah. I, I stay on the fringe of spicy. <laughs> so someone started bringing like hot sauce and now it's like this competition where anytime anybody travels or goes whatever it's like upping the game so the fridge in the edmonton office has like all these different hot sauces that are there of like these hot sauce challenges on friday right so it's like okay (laughs) you know that those are kind of fun examples are there but you know the stories from like last friday when there's a small crew in the edmonton office was like you know how hot the hot sauce was and i mean nicole basically couldn't even for you know she was almost out of commission all weekend because she had this hot sauce that was like mind-blowingly bad right like you know stories like that and like that type of stuff how do you replicate that how do you replicate that sort of piece and and it's going to war together it's being able to build something meaningful together and it's that piece so um yeah well at the same time like you know our job as entrepreneurs is to try to create the best possible work environment we can for our team right like we want our people to be you know, well compensated and as happy as possible, you know, working on meaningful projects, right? So, you know, do you need to be in an office 100% of the time for that? Of course not. I, I, I think it's going to be really interesting in 22, like how this develops and like what, what people, you know, are some, what percentage of people are going to completely opt out and say, I just want to be remote versus how many people, they, they want to come downtown. Like I want to, I want to walk the plus 15s and it not be a ghost town and worried like I'm going to get robbed. Right. Like that, that, that would be cool. Right. I think there is a lot of self, you know, I, I certainly from our culture, just to lay that up against it was 
everyone got forced into the same hand. And then a lot of people self-selected, like, I don't want work remote. We've gone full work remote for right now. And for us, all the new people we're hiring are self-selected, self-designated work remote people. You know, a couple of them were working remote before COVID. So now for them, they're excited because now there's just more options for them. So it's been interesting. And, you know, I think there is like, I'm very much, the entrepreneur is me is like, well, let's see how it goes. Let's test it out. But all of our new hires now, Ottawa, Kingston, like all over the place, people we wouldn't have access to before. But the one thing they have in common is work remote is their first choice. And they're like, yeah, if we get together, great. But if we don't, this is my life. I love it. And here's why. And we celebrate it often. And we do like, you know, try to get together and imitate as much social, you know, cross cross section as we can. But it's interesting because the new, the new group we've hired was all there out of choice, not forced there. I think there's a big, in this term, like once we get into 2022 and it levels out, but yeah, I think there was a lot of people that just like, this isn't for me and and other people that have kind of gone all in on it too. So it has created kind of almost not two different classifications, but groups of people with different preferences is maybe a better way to say it. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's an, and it's an interesting question then if you're a person who cares about our downtowns, like, and, and I say plural, cause again, we're in, we're in both Edmonton and Calgary mm-hmm. and, and, uh, like, you know, I, I want to live, I want to, I want to be in a province where you can be, yeah, we're, we have, you know, small cities, but like we're, it seems like we're almost on the verge of like both having like something downtown pre COVID. Like there's just been improvements about where, you know, and, and now it's like, and you know, like the food scene in Calgary, um, has just gone up so much over the last, you know, compared to a, compared to a decade ago or five years ago, even. Right. Like, so like, I want to support those local restaurateurs, right. I want to be able to go to a place where like, when you have a business traveler coming in that they feel like they're in, you know, you know, Vancouver or Toronto or New York, where it's like, you've got those options where, where, (laughs) where, where where you've got, you know, just cool, unique stuff that's going on. Right. And so, um, you know, it, it, it's, I think, probably my biggest fear for Calgary, but also, and we were talking about this a little bit offline, right, but also this opportunity, um, this stat, because um, I'm running this uh, Define the Decade, co-chairing this uh, 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 for the Business Council of Alberta. So basically, okay, I think what this report is, is like, what's the Alberta we want in 2030? How do we, what, what could we do today to make you proud to be here and, and frankly, to create as much opportunity for, for those, for myself, I have, I have a 14 year old um, daughter and a 12 year old son. And so for myself, I go like, how do I make sure that Kaylee and Cole could have oppor- as much opportunity here as we all have, have had over the last decade. And uh, you know, one stat that I've learned through that is, is and, and this isn't opinion, this is fact from like kind of Stats Canada or wherever, that there's an out migration between and that 25 to 30 year old age demographic. And, and why that's so worrisome is that if you leave when you're, you know, 20 to 25, there's a much, much higher percentage chance you're going to come back. But if you leave when you're 25 to 30, you're likely settling down and putting down roots somewhere else. And I know we've seen it within our company. There's this momentum that there's this worry that, uh, you know, um, I can think of one team member specifically. Um, he was of Iranian descent, so as a, a new Canadian, but went to Waterloo. Then was has been in, was in Calgary for five or six years, and kind of said like, you know, I, you know, a bunch of my friends have left, right? Like I had like a tight group here beforehand, so there's nothing actually holding us here. Mm-hmm. And of course, economic opportunity drives a lot of that. And so one of the big tech companies scooped him up, up and and 
it was sort of opportunistic just because because that momentum sort of changed for but but he's the exact type of person we want here. We he's need. the type of person we want putting boots on. Are but you guys on the flip side? Yeah. Sorry, have you guys been have you guys brought in like out of that to like 40 to 60 to 120, 130? How much of that has been imported talent? Like are you looking everywhere for your talent? Kind of the work everywhere mindset. How's that been for you guys? So we've um it's been uh we run this this one program, this Applied AI Lab. So this is in partnership with uh, Suncor, ATB, TransAlta, and Spartan Controls. So think of it as like, um, it, it's a work experience program, but think of that engineer that has, say, five to 10 years experience that is going through career transition. That was kind of the main kind of target we had for this. Um, so they know math, right? Um, but then working on real-life problems with real-life data from our corporate partners, but working under our methodology and our uh, like supervised by our team, um, we actually started this right when we first talked about a year ago. It's been a phenomenal success. Um, and what's been crazy is there's been actually a pretty significant percentage of people that have been attracted to Calgary for that. Now, oh, that's awesome. Okay. So, so, so it, it it's mostly aimed at Calgarians here now, but it's also there's a percentage. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it's crazy. Like the resumes use because there's so many people that that. It's, it's easy to do a bunch of stuff online, but it's different than doing a real life project. Mm -hmm. And so they come out of this, it's like this intense of three months and our numbers were like 96% were employed within like 30 or 60 days afterwards. Like it's been, uh, we, we got some OSA funding for this. So need to, to thank CED in the city of Calgary. Um, really a great example, I think of like government, corporate and startup kind of coming together. Cause the whole thing of it was we looked around and said, okay, we know Suncor is going to hire X number of people. We know ATB is, we know WestJet. Like there's not enough ML engineers. There's not, right. not enough data scientists in Calgary for what's needed to actually, you know, create that, you know, what the ecosystem needs. So that was the driver of this thing. Um, you know, the success, you know, Microsoft tapped us on the shoulder and saw the success of it here and said, hey, let's do something similar in Waterloo. So we did kind of a twist on this in Waterloo that's gone really well. And, and, and frankly, this this is what, you know, it's almost like we've been given this gift. We did this thing. It wasn't purely altruistic. Obviously, we're trying to build a relationship with the partners that, you know, but we we, we designed it to be good for the ecosystem, right? It's kind of like if we can be a positive um, uh, uh, influence or a positive participant in the ecosystem, then great. Because it, it's not just the the internal partners that are hiring. Like they're, they're, they're landing up at every, all, you know, big and small across Calgary, right? And we only get paid really if they do. So we take on <laughs> I, pre I appreciate take, that asterisk on the edge. <laughs> we take on a ton of risk, right? Like this program, this program is like super bad economically for me internally, right? In terms of the way it's done, unless like, unless we like make it, make it work. Right? It's sort of like, Hey, you can at best break even and at worst lose it. Anyway, <laughs> I, won't, I won't, I won't, I won't bring your audience in on my board discussions, yeah. but, but, it, but, it, but it's cool now because like the, the thing now is that retain, attracting and retaining talent is the biggest problem that every company has. So it's almost like we've been given a gift from COVID with this, where it's like, okay, now we can actually build these relationships. We've got the experience to actually build the relationships, bring these things together, bring together all these other, other partners. I think it's actually, I mean, we're, 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 we think we can take programs like this national, right? We think that it's actually can be a huge differentiator and a huge way that we can be a positive across Canada, but really with Calgary at the center and Calgary leading this. But 
as a marketer with my marketer hat on, what a fantastic way to get exposure, to create connections, to add value to your community. Like marketing shows up in all shapes. So I, I'll come to and speak to your board anytime and say, well, let's talk about what this is really doing. But I love that. But I'm interesting to hear so much attraction from outside. But projects like that, really put Calgary on the map in a positive light. Like, oh, hey, what is a Calgary? And well, but wait, look at this interesting thing that's going on there. So I love stuff like that because it creates exposure, not by saying we're awesome, but by doing interesting things that really stand out for people. Like that's a huge value for me in terms of rewriting a little bit of that. Like, why would I go to Calgary story? That's, out, that's, that's maybe out there or not. It's the problem is this, they're not even having that conversation. We need them to at least start having it. <laughs> when you talk right. about the quality but of life of moving here. Mm-hmm. Well, well and, and so our new space is in uh, the ampersand. So for those, it's the old uh, kind of Sun uh, Sun Life Plaza, I think was the old name of the building. Right? Uh, yeah, it's just at the I, end walked, of the I walked by thing. it the other night and saw the big ampersand. So I was like, what is going on over here? So like, yeah. When, when, when downtown gets back going again, what they've done in this building fabulous like the lobby it 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 will be like the coolest lobby in in in, in town oh, but you know they've got they've uh they've they've got food trucks right there in the lobby they've put all these amenities in it's probably a better gym than like anything i've seen outside like in your office building right it's so they, they've built like a world-class facilities for the team there and again this is part of it of like this balance back and forth like you know to be able to actually go to that lobby and kind of run into um, I know those avatars uh, talking with Kevin the other day is moving into that space. Right. And it's like, you know, the Edison was kind of like the, the yep. epicenter of tech in Calgary. Right. And the uh, same owners, I'm sense I'm not to take, take away. Um, but like, this is almost Edison in my mind, it's Edison 2.0. Maybe they like that. Or that. I think they want the Edison to be full and they want this to be full. But like when you put in those amenities and it's there, I think that gets back to this conversation on work environment and you go like, what, the perfect situation for me would almost be like, listen, you choose whatever you want. But I hope that people sort of often say like, yeah, at least for a few days a week, I want to come and I want to be around the team because, you know, like I want to be able to actually have that great lunch and run into people in the lobby there. I want to actually, you know, if I'm going for my workout, am I working out in my apartment or, or you know, and, and so you've got all those pieces and then you get the energy back down to and then you get this like, like there's just, there's some intangible that that, that, that from walk into your bedroom to your computer and back and forth just <laughs> for sure <laughs> like I, I, I don't you know and maybe it's just me man I don't know but like there's something unfulfilling about never having that never seeing other people never talking to other people I, and yeah, you don't see, get me wrong yeah, no, for video some, is good yeah. we're talking on video here but you yep. know what I mean there's I do, just I like do. I, I think it's going to be a really interesting journey we're on and I think it is still TBD but you're right like so many things I joke the oldest like Radio didn't replace newspaper and TV didn't. Replace, and you're, they just kind of broadened the spectrum and, and niche down each vertical of like, well, yeah, there's, it still has a part, but maybe it's tiny. I don't think newspapers are really holding up anymore, but it's not that this, this either or conversation was what really it's office or in person. I'm like, no, no, no. It's where's the most value created based on the situation. And that's the conversation we haven't been having in COVID because it's been this either or it's not an either or it's, it's value creation. And where's the best place to do that? relationships and collaboration. I'm sorry, but in person is still better than on zoom. Like that's just a fact. But when I got to get shit done, sometimes just like doing it, being at my home desk really works well. (laughs) So, so I kind of give them what I'm most worried about with the exodus of the 25 to 30 year old. And hopefully we can stem that, but let me, let me share a couple. It's anecdotal. So it's not, you know, like stats can or whatever, but I've had multiple conversations now with people in the GTA moving out, out west and coming to Calgary. So, yeah, and sometimes they're ringing the register and they're putting half a million dollars in the bank and they're buying a bigger house here. Um, but this one story is uh, 
a, a really, really successful um, in tech. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of keep his, his exact job description off, but really, really successful uh, a gentleman um, was bidding on um, a house, not even downtown Toronto, but in one of the bedroom communities. Uh, uh, was offered at 1.1, sold for 1.3. Um, and then he noticed three months later, the people who bought it at 1.3 flipped it for 1.4. And this was like the final straw. And he said, like, he's like, I can't get into the real estate market. And so I was moving to Calgary and it has been shopping for houses. And, and I talked to him when he was kind of driving around talking to a real estate agent. And, and uh, uh, here's the weird thing, though he's not going to be working for a company in town. He's still going to be working for his same employer in Toronto. Everybody's like, well, what's the point of me going downtown if I can't go to downtown Toronto, right? And it's there. So, which overall net positive, that's good. But how do we, you know, what if we created this center of gravity where this was like the best spot for digital map nomads to come? I mean, it's pretty sweet to be able to go down the road and just hang out and and, and maybe maybe Canmore's going to beat us at that, right? It's going to be there or you almost have like a we work in Canmore, frankly, right? But well, like, the digital nomad so, concept is, is interesting and in how that's like proliferating everywhere. And that is the future, I think, more so than we realize right now. <laughs> Yeah, like it doesn't necessarily yeah. need to be just an office towers. I mean, I think hopefully we have those workers back, but yep. like, again, it's energy, right? Now it's not, so it's, it's, it's not that we're trying to just get back to what it was like beforehand. Like, wouldn't that be a cool situation of people from all around the world and ideas that were coming right here and want to be like, Hey, I'm going to work here for six months. I'm going to work here for a year. Right. And maybe I'll stay. Right. Or maybe you have in migration from, from the tech ecosystem in Toronto, and that helps up the game in terms of all the great things that we have going on here. So you know, it's this really interesting change. I think that we can do the right things, you know, again, as, as a city and as a province right now to really make a difference of this, but it, 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 we're at this like turning point, it seems like, right. You know, do we, do we embrace sort of, you, you know, some of the elements on, um, uh, you know, so not turning our back on tradi on our traditional industries, but also looking in terms of how that parlays on into some of these other areas and sustainability and clean tech and how we clean tech and how we do that with like an ESG lens. Um, but again, like oil and gas is going to be around for the next, you know, for the for, for the next few decades, right? And we can sit and debate back and forth on it, but like, how do we do that in the most, you know, the most uh, the cleanest, the most ethical way? I think we've got a lot of leaders in town that are all for that. Um, but like, how, how do we take and actually be a leader in ag tech, right? And, and how, do, how do we then start creating some new industries? Like, I think that there's no reason why we couldn't be at the, at the center in, in both Calgary and Edmonton uh, uh, at the intersection of data and health. Like the, the researchers that we have at the U of C and the U of A are, are, are simply world-class. And if we can get our commercialization game together, I think there's a multi-billion dollar industry that we can create you know, in the next few years. So, but like, you know, it's just the brand. Like, how do we change the brand and talk about all the things that are going on? Because people think of us as rednecks, but we're not. It's not that way when you walk down the street. It's not that way. But it's like, we've just got this image problem that, I don't know, you talk to more than anybody. How do we change that? That's a really good question because it comes up all the time of like, oh, we've got a brand problem. We've got like, whose responsibility is it? It's kind of all of our responsibility. But Calgary, or sorry, the Western Canada has a notoriously head down, ass up philosophy of like, well, I'll just do the work and I, I don't want to tell the story. I'd almost, and I, I don't know if it's because we've got an engineering or kind of more science and, and, and data and, and detailed culture 
that storytelling feels fluffy or it feels like it's as a marketer in this province, sometimes it's challenging because like, oh yeah, that's just fluff anyways. I'm like, telling your story isn't fluff. It's anything but that. <laughs> so how do we change? Like, it almost feels like there needs to be a, a philosophical mind shift because it's not one group is not CED isn't going to do it. The, you know, it, there isn't somebody who's going to do it. We all have to tell our stories better because then it starts to become a, a force multiplier. And I, I don't know. I think there's just a philosophy around not valuing that storytelling piece as much as there could be. And I'm, I'm not sure what levers to pull. And I don't think it's one lever. It's a series of levers to get there, but I just don't think fundamentally it's valued always in a more technical realm. <laughs> I, I mean, when you look at now, like when, when pipelines get canceled, okay, well we have not told the brand story, right? Like we well, have, we let, not... so we let someone take that story and run with it from us. Yeah, right? absolutely. That, we, we let that one get out of our hands. I would say. Mm. Yeah. So, so, so let me ask you just cause this is a bit self-serving cause I'm, cause I'm working on this, uh, define the decade, this B, this business council of Alberta report for 2030. So what does Alberta look like to you? You talk to more Calgarians than frick, I think probably anybody else, right? Or you have over COVID, right? Like <laughs> the, it's, it's the last year, the last couple of years has been a pretty, is a pretty right, bit of sol right. a solid run. Okay. So, so what does Calgary look like to you in 2030? What, 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 what could we change today that would make you most proud of this city? Such a good question. I feel fundamentally we're on the right path. I feel that there's just a degree of time required. When I talk to the amount of people in you know, different startups, the amount of technology, the amount of diversity and inclusion that is going on here that is a subject, that is a talk. I don't think at the C, at the at the high enterprise level as much as like the, the new wave of companies coming up, those 3,000 or 3,400 startups we have in our province or some of those numbers. I do believe we're on the right track. I just think it's early in the stage because if I go back two years ago when I started having these conversations, the tech ecosystem was, was, wasn't was what it was today. The venture mm -hmm. capital ecosystem was differently. I'm seeing a lot of trends and I'm seeing that we're starting to get to a point where we've got you know more VCs fitting into different slots from more like as series A's and series B's get bigger, but pre-seed maybe sometimes gets smaller or bigger, more people filling that in. I see more companies putting their toes into different verticals that aren't traditionally here. How do we amplify and like and multiply that process? I'm not sure besides just the passage of time. Obviously more money coming in, more entrepreneurs feeling supported, more exits, like more, more, more. Those are the things I think are going to all accumulate to a different 2030 story. I don't think it's one, I, I, couldn't pin, I couldn't pinpoint one thing. I think we need to continue on the path that we're on, like level of investment, level of willingness to take risk openness to like, Hey, let's get a few more exits. So those people can now cycle back into the mix mm -hmm. with their experience, their pocketbooks and their willingness to create change and drive it again. Like I'm seeing that happening. I just think we all want it to happen faster. That's a bit of a lazy answer, but I, I can't pick one thing. Mm -hmm. But it, yeah, that gives me hope, right? If, if, if you've got that level of optimism, right? I, yeah. Like, you know, when you talk about storytelling, like how many, if you went to the average Let's not say the average person in color. Let's say the average executive, average business person. How many of them would know about Adabotics, about Neo, right? Uh, about Cement. Um, now, okay, everybody sees Benevity signs, they get that. How many people know that Solium has added, like, I don't know what the exact numbers, but hundreds of jobs. So this is like, are now Morgan Stanley Shareworks, right? Like, mm -hmm. so they, they sold, they, you know, sold for a billion. And then now there's, you know, continue to add tech jobs, right? Um, and, and Benevity is continuing to add jobs. Uh, like, you know, we don't sometimes tell enough of the story and so, uh, talk about how things are changing, right? And and I, I, ju I just look at Cement and Neo as two great examples. Again, I know both the entrepreneurs behind that. Just 
And and this isn't excluding the other 10 companies behind the scenes. That's not, you know, Absorb did another big deal, right? And like you go down the list of this last year, it's like there's a significant number of transactions and a significant amount of capital that's actually coming in. And like like that, you know, we're not even talking about everything that's happening on the seed stage, right? Well, like, yeah, what was our number? Get- 445 million last year and 55 deals or something. I, I was talking to, uh, I just had Christina Williams on yesterday. Uh, from Alberta right. Energy Corp. So she, she, Huge and family. she knows her yeah. numbers hard. So she was just hammering me with, you know, like last year being the year that kind of respectively Alberta reached its, you know, fair share of that 10 to 12% of the capital coming in, the VC capital coming into Canada. Because that's the first year we kind of got our quote unquote fair share based on kind of proportionate value. And, you know, it's down a little bit this year, she said, but it's also because, you know, the numbers are getting bigger. She gave me a lot of optimism for the journey. And I really, you know, I knew of them, but didn't really understand the depth of the work they're doing and the and the positive impact that I think that they're having. Like, and she was also very optimistic of the, where the trends are headed. Back to my kind of earlier point. Yeah, yeah, and so when you talk about storytelling, you talk about you know brand Alberta, you know brand Calgary, right? Like you, you know you, you just you know just I, I just kind of named off just off the top of my head like a bunch of amazing stories and mm-hmm. and and hopefully one of those becomes you know the next unicorn right and and you, we've had that with shareworks and you've had it with with benevity in terms of that sort of billion dollar mark but uh, i think it's only a matter of time before it's going to happen right and you're going to see it like um and we could kind of bet on which one of the, but then like like you, like you mentioned then when you start having the exits and that starts getting recycled back but but that is happening right yes, like you've is. got um, and we need to celebrate. You know, we, we we can't just wait for the people to become, we can't just wait for unicorns to celebrate. Like we need yeah. to be celebrating all the time. And I know I think you and I are beating the same drum on this one, but again, people get into doing their work and head down. And I was chatting with, uh, do you know Leah Sarich from, uh, she's at Thin Air Labs now as head of story for them. Okay. I was just, I was, I was just going to say, have you had, uh, J- had, 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 uh, uh, Lockery? On I did. I had, I had, like I, had that, J- yeah, I had James yeah. on a couple of weeks ago and he was great. Cause he had the, I had to leave to build my company and I'm back and goddamn, we're going to build something good here. And what he's doing with his fund one with a hundred million. But I chatted with Leah because who's the head of story there. And she goes, man, I was in media for 20 years here. And she goes, I never even knew anything about the sector. She goes, right. and, and you, and you made an interesting point. She said, she goes for all the moms out there, she goes, which are kind of my audience. I want to give them hope that their kids have a future here. So it kind of pivots back exactly. to, what, to what you said. She's like, we, in the media, she goes, we didn't even get these stories on our desk. They weren't even like footnotes in our kind of bylines for what we're going to talk about at the six o'clock news or breakfast television or all the different things she was involved in. So she had a, so, we, her so and I had a show, had a, had a chat just about the gap and the opportunity to better tell that story. Cause the media is not doing it. So, so what a lot of people might not realize is this isn't just like this last year or two. I mean, this goes back to what yeah. a ton of people within the a 100, I mean, especially so a uh, partner there at the names, uh, Jim Gibson, you know, at, at doing really cool stuff at state, right. You know, like, started this uh, group called Rainforest. I don't I want to say five years ago. I don't know what, ex- but basically got a bunch of people together and started connecting, you know, you know, the yeah, lunch, 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 with, lunch without that. lunch. They used to have, right. That was them. Who did yeah. That? Well, yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. I started getting those connections and a lot of that, you know, you can see maybe, you know, how that sort of tied in around the same time with CDL starting and a bunch of these connections. And, and then, you know, the Chen Fongs and the Derek Hunters and the, mm-hmm. the Mannixes and Ben Williams, like everybody sort of coming together to do this. Like, you know, it's like this overnight success. All this started five, six, seven years ago, right? Where these things are put into place. So we might be a decade behind Toronto, but like, how do we, like, I don't want our fair share. 
I want Alberta to be like the epicenter <laughs> no, of I, I, where yeah. capital is back flowing, to unfair right? they, back know? to unfair advantages. I don't want yeah no I I want an unfair well, advantage. <laughs> well, but, but but like why why can't we learn from our friends and like we, like we you know like I I don't think we need to pick fights. I don't I think actually Toronto is an asset for us, right? Like I'm proud as a Canadian of Toronto. I mean I'll always hate the Maple Leafs, right? But well, that's like, yeah, but okay, I get it. <laughs> but 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 like we can we can learn from that. So um, we're involved with one group, and a number of us in the tech sector are this Council of Canadian Innovators. So Jim. Balsilli um, of, of BlackBerry mm-hmm. sort of fame and, and John Ruffalo, the, the founders of this, think of it as almost like this kind of like advocacy group for scale ups, right? So mm-hmm. putting all the things in place for those companies that are going to go from, you know, 50 people to 500 people, right? And, and, and so they're on the ground in Alberta right now, right? So it's those bridges to the rest of Canada. And I think tech can be part of that narrative. Like tech and you know, I'm talking my own book here in AI. I think AI can be something because we've got it in Montreal, Toronto, and then out west here, both in Alberta as well as in, in, in Vancouver. Like, why can't we use this as a way to be, you know, proud Canadians, part of this national narrative, part of this thing, like, you know, proud as Albertan, um, but also leaning on the best things that are happening in Toronto because they are five to 10 years ahead. Yep. So agree, when you've I got someone like, like Lockery to come back, like his experience and what he sees on the ground there and actually doing it here, um, and, and, and then even like Neo, right. It's a, it's a skip the dishes guy, right. Yeah, it's out, Andrew, out of Winnipeg came, right. And, and so then you see he have an exit there and that's cycling in. So the story behind the story is that we've got sort of these key linchpins of a bunch of these different areas. And so like, I'm more optimistic than ever about this. I think we're on the verge of an absolute boom. Right. Um, but it's weird. You talk to some people and it's just like the sky is falling and it's just so negative. But like, I think there's never a better, never been a better time to invest in Alberta, to start a company here. Right. I, I just, how do we get that message out so that the, 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 those in their twenties kind of see the same thing. Like, it's almost like we're doing a disservice as the old guys, the old people, right. You know, <laughs> not, not like showing the opportunity to stay and build something here. Uh, I, I think one, we just got to keep like, you know, put your money where your mouth is and do it and create those stories. But there's got to be an element of storytelling because you're right. Best kept secrets aren't doing us any favors. And Alberta is like, uh, we're terrible. At, we're, we're really good at best kept secrets. Let me, let me, let me phrase that properly. <laughs> Corey, I feel we could go on and like, I think, I think we need to crack a drink and really get into this crack a bottle of wine and really start tearing off the label. But it was so good to have you back on the show. I appreciate one, your passion and your energy for this province. And I love what you guys are doing. And I was really curious, again, selfishly audience of one to get you back on the show and kind of to hear about the journey as it becomes from understanding you guys, we're actually going into the trough. That's interesting. That gave me some perspective. Cause again, I talk to positive people that are doing positive things. So I feel like everything's on the upswing, but talking about AI on that journey and but that also feels like it's going to democratize out a little bit once we get through that from the hype to then maybe a little bit more accessibility. And I'm very excited about the future of technology in general. How can you not be, but the role AI is playing, but you gave me some real perspective on the trough thing. I'm trying, I'm saying it again, cause I'm processing it as, as I'm talking about how much still lies ahead on that journey that nobody's missed any opportunities yet. The opportunities are still to come. Exactly. Exactly. Thanks for having me. And uh, Hey, thanks for all you do. I know you spent so much time on this. And so I, I, I you know, Again, I, I I listen as much as I can, right? It's it's tough to keep up. Like I don't even know how <laughs> you make time that. in the day for it. So I appreciate what you do for the city, and and uh, yeah, really appreciate uh, the opportunity to chat. And and yeah, like a, as goes with the theme here. Like next time, we'll let's do it. Let's do it with with a beverage in hand. Yes, yeah, maybe. Uh, well, no, maybe. An, I'm going down to meet up with uh, Terry Rock on Monday at Platform. We're going to do on site. We're going to brag the mics 
down and we're going to sit in a room and we're going to sit in chairs and act like two human beings and talk to each other in real life. So I'm looking Seems forward to doing a few real life in person. Yeah, wow, I haven't. Wow, I, he was one of my first 10 guests and I haven't chatted with him since. So we're, uh, he's like, well, should we meet in person? I was like, you know what, Terry, you're on. We're going to, we're, we're going to do it. So I see a few more of those, uh, we'll call it, what, what are they called? On locations or something from the radio world. <laughs> This is so easy though. Two people uh, with, I, I do love technology, but you're right. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to replace a handshake sometimes. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for your time. Thanks, sir. Thanks Corey. Thanks, Corey.